Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. This world is not going to fill the emptiness of your soul. And if you give your life for these things that one day will be gone in a puff of smoke, then you've made a terrible mistake. You've made a tragic mistake, an eternal mistake. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, all the apostles said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what God wants. That's what a disciple is. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Are we happy with our lives? Where does our happiness come from? In today's teaching, Pastor Ed will warn us that if we try to find happiness in the things of this world, we will be disappointed. This world will not fill the emptiness of our souls. We may be blessed with a good family, friends, and a job, but it's not lasting joy. Only Christ can fill us with true happiness that is eternal. Don't make the tragic mistake of trying to find happiness in things or successes, but find it in following Jesus. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Discipleship. Building in faith. Philip Yancey, in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, He wrote about a missionary back in the 16th century named Ricky going to China. And he wanted to convey the gospel to these Chinese people. And what he did was he took pictures. He showed them a picture of Mary holding the infant Jesus. And he told them the story about the supernatural birth of Jesus. And they were enthralled. But then when he took a picture of Jesus on a cross. Immediately, they responded with horror. And they said, no, no, we want to worship Mary and Jesus, not the Jesus on the cross. When Jesus reveals what his Messiahship, who he really is, it rattles the disciples It didn't fit into their agenda for Jesus. It didn't fit into their preconceived ideas of who Jesus was and what he should do. I want to ask you, what do we do with Jesus? Do we fit him into our neat packages, our neat idea of what he should be to us, to this world, or we, do we let him speak for himself and guide us according to his agenda, or do we squeeze him into our particular agenda? We might have our confession partly right, but filled with error that will lead us in the wrong direction. The disciples' confession. We got the Apostles' Creed down. We got the Nicene Creed down. We have the 16 tenets of faith of the Assemblies of God hopefully down. We understand that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross. But what implications does that have for you and for me? 
How does that affect the way you live tomorrow and the day after? The disciples' lifestyle. Jesus had no intention of filling his ranks with volunteers who professed allegiance to him but were unwilling to make sacrifices. Let me underline that. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't want disciples, followers, that filled his ranks, but were unwilling to make sacrifices. In 1 John 4.17, it says, As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, meaning Christ, so are we in this world. Look at Jesus. How did he live? That's how we're to live. Look at Jesus. What was his relationship to to God the Father? That ought to be our relationship to God the Father. We are to be in this world like Christ. We can't make up the rules of Christianity to suit our culture or to suit our personal feelings. We have to accept how Jesus described his followers if we really want to be his followers. First, notice in verse 34, he says, we must deny ourselves and follow Christ. Then he called the crowd. Now notice it says he called the crowd. Why? It wasn't for an elite 12. It wasn't for an elite group of people. It was the crowd. Everybody. Everybody who professes to follow Jesus Christ falls into these categories and finds themselves having to follow these laws, principles. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he says, if anyone would come after me, follow me, he must, note, deny himself. That means we must not gratify the flesh. We are in a me generation, some have said. It's all about me. But as Christians, it's all about Christ. Jesus truly is to be the center of our lives. He is to be what we live for. We don't live for our children, though it's important to care for our children. We live for Christ. We don't live for our parents, though it's important to care for our parents. We don't live for ourselves though we ought to take care of ourselves, but we live for Christ. He is central. Everything centers around Jesus. He said, if you're going to follow me, let's have it at the very onset, at the very beginning. It means denying self, saying no to yourself. John Calvin said, No man is qualified to be a disciple of Christ until he has been divested of self. No to self, yes to Christ. No to the flesh, yes to the spirit. No to my particular agenda, yes to his agenda. I know it sounds hard. It sounded hard to his disciples too. But Jesus has not changed the standard. There's no bargain basement Christianity. 
There's no lowering of the standards for enrollment in discipleship. Notice we must deny ourselves and follow Christ, but we must also do something else. We must take up our cross and follow Christ. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and what? Take up his cross. I know that some of you have some beautiful jewelry. Nice cross on a necklace or cross earrings or some other cross. Now, if we really knew what that meant in our culture, they wouldn't be selling them uh, in the jewelry stores. It was the idea of a horrible, shameful death rejected by people. To take up our cross is not some real nice fancy jewelry that we're going to put on and wear and look, you know, real nice. No, no, it's more than that. It means that whatever Christ asked us to do, we will do. You look at the apostles and how they lived their lives and how they died. Thomas went to India and died as a martyr. Peter was crucified upside down. On and on, the disciples were willing to sacrifice their life. Followers of Christ willing to sacrifice themselves. In verse 29 of Matthew 19, it says this. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my name's sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus is asking us to put him before our 401k. Ah, I know, I know. He's asking us to put his house before our house. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, He's asking us to tithe and to give sacrificially before we buy a new car and put ourselves under payments and so we can't pay our tithes. There is sacrifice. There is taking up a cross. There is a willingness to say, the shame that was heaped on Jesus, I'm willing to take. The sacrifice that characterized Jesus, I'm willing to make. In Galatians 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ To take up a cross means you're crucified to this world, that you're alive to God and dead to this world. Christians sometimes make the terrible error of thinking following Christ means I'm going to live more comfortably in this world. That's not what it meant to the early Christians. Oh, if I follow Jesus, well, he's going to make life easy for me. Not necessarily. Following Christ means taking up a cross, going to the place where the flesh is crucified. Now, now he goes on to talk about losing and gaining, uh, giving and giving up. In Mark 8, 35 to 37, it says, we must give our lives to Christ for whoever wants to save his life will lose it But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world 
yet forfeit his soul. Well, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If you could weigh the world and your soul on scales, your soul would be worth far much more. It was much heavier, much more value than all of this world's possessions. The enemy came and said, listen, I'll make you a king. I'll give you the wealth of the world. I'll make your name as popular as the most popular names on earth. I'll give you fame and fortune and power. You'd be a loser if you took it and lost your soul. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, if you lived 100 years, what is that in comparison to numbers you're familiar with? A trillion times a trillion times a trillion. <laughs> I mean, you're going to live forever. What's 100 years compared to all eternity? Jesus is saying, don't get caught in a bad bargain. Don't make the mistake. He's using commercial terms. He's, he's talking about an accountant. He's saying, it's just not worth it. In the book, uh, Therapy by David Lodge, it's a novel, there's a, a character and this main character, uh, the therapist asks him, List all the good things in your life in one column and all the bad things in the other. And so he lists all the good things in one column. And he says, under the good column, he wrote, I'm professionally successful, well-off, good health, stable marriage, kids successful, launched into adult life, nice house, great car, as many holidays as I want. And then under the bad column, he writes just one thing. Feel unhappy most of the time. Jesus was saying that things can't make you happy. This world is not going to fill the emptiness of your soul. And if you give your life for these things that one day will be gone in a puff of smoke, then you've made a terrible mistake. You've made a tragic mistake, an eternal mistake. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, all the apostles said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what God wants. That's what a disciple is. That's what it means to give our lives to him. That's what it means to gain eternal life and really do what Jesus asks us to do. It means that Jesus Christ has your hands, has your feet, has your mind, has your resources, has your life, the choice is ours. What will we do? Will we exchange our soul for worldly pleasures that will be gone in a moment? Will we give our lives to things that won't last? Now, that's the question. I no longer live, Paul said, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In 1 Timothy 1.6, it says, we brought nothing into this world and we're gonna be able to bring nothing out of this world. Just, just can't. And he goes on to talk about an adulterous generation. The Jewish people thought of their relationship to God as in terms of a marriage relationship. And Jesus was saying, you're adulterous. 
In verse 38, we're to proclaim our faith in Christ. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Think about standing before a courtroom and boldly declaring that you believe in Jesus Christ. And they say, it's either Jesus and you lose your life as a martyr or you can go out and save your life. The choice is yours. Jesus gives us a picture of a courtroom in a sense. He gives us a picture of standing before eternity. If we're ashamed of him in this world, he's not gonna profess us before our heavenly father in heaven. Society tells us, privatize your faith. It's okay to have faith, but keep it private, not public. Don't bring it into the marketplace of discourse. Don't be fanatical. Don't think that it could impact politics, education, the workplace. In effect, they're saying, don't let your faith really translate into your life. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. The choice is ours. Thomas Akempis, centuries ago, wrote this. Listen to his words. Times have not changed. Jesus today has many who love his heavenly kingdom, but few who carry his cross. Plenty of people he finds to share his banquet, few to share his fast. Everyone desires to take part in his rejoicing, but few are willing to suffer anything for his sake. There are many that follow Jesus as far as the breaking of bread, few as far as the drinking of cup of suffering. Many love Jesus as long as nothing runs counter to them. Many that praise and bless him as long as they receive comfort from him. But should Jesus hide from them and leave them for a while, they fall into complaining or become deeply, deeply depressed. Those who love Jesus for his own sake, not for the sake of their own comfort, bless him in a time of trouble and heartache as much as when they are full of consolation. I want to ask you, is our Christianity comparable with the first century's Christianity? Is it comparable with the persecuted church around the world where men and women are giving their lives and are suffering martyrdom because of following Christ. Our Christianity should be more than just something we process the way we want to hear. Oh, I didn't exactly hear that, Jesus. I, I thought following you meant Jesus would say to us, wasn't it in black and white? Didn't I write out the covenant right in scripture, real clear? Uh, how did you not understand what I was saying? It won't cut it. It won't cut it with him. Because he said, if you've been ashamed of me here, then over there. Listen to Dietrich Bonhoeffner. When God calls a man, he bids him come 
and die. When God calls a man, he bids him come and die. This life is not about you. It's about him. It's not about our preferences. It's about his will. Think about his words. If any man is going to follow me, he must deny himself. This coming week, if the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, hmm, hmm, deny yourself there. That's not what I ask him for you to do. I'm asking you to give that up. Now, I'm talking more than just the 40 days of prayer and fasting, this Lenten season where as a practice we get into a habit of denying ourselves. It ought to be our lifestyle where we say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spend money on that. I might give it to the school. I might give it to a missions organization. I might give it to a brother and sister in need. It might be that we want to just, I'm going to tell that person just what I think. And God says, mm, deny yourself. It'll hurt your Christian witness. It'll harm them. He may say, take up that cross. What it means to follow him is you, you take up a cross and you're going to follow him. A ministry that he might call you to, a, a work that he might ask you to do, but that's going to make life a little bit harder for you. It's going to change your schedule. You may have less discretionary time for your personal things. God, am, am I losing my life for you? If you try and gain your life in this world, oh, I got to make a life for myself in this world. I got to, you know, keep life in that. That's what we're trying to do. Everybody's trying to make a life in themselves, trying to keep their life in this world. You could see it. People using Botox and people trying to, you know, regrow falling hair, I don't know, and uh, trying to prolong our lives or whatever. It's, it's not about saving our lives. It's about surrendering our lives and giving our lives, and then we'll get it back. You can't outgive the Lord. He said, I'm going to give you a hundred times more. I believe that um, there's a wrong teaching, a wrong doctrine out that's sending countless thousands and tens of thousands and even millions of souls to hell where Christianity is all about them and God is just a good luck charm. He's just like some deity that's there like a cosmic bellhop to meet their needs it's not like that. It's not at all like that. Christianity is following Jesus the old-fashioned way, the biblical way. Don't do what Peter did. Don't shake him and say, Lord, I rebuke you. You know where that comes from. Not from heaven. Let's determine to let him shape the life that we live. Christianity should not be an appendage to our life, but just something that we attach, like an insurance policy in case we die. Oh, I made it. No, no, it's central. 
its center. There are some who might believe that the life of a Christian begins and ends at the altar. Maybe that's you. Maybe you accepted Jesus as a child, but your life hasn't changed since then. Our relationship with God is so much more than just a profession. It's a walk, daily. Pastor Ed is currently teaching a five-part series entitled, Walking in Our Salvation, which we hope will encourage you to walk with Jesus daily. Building in Faith is the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word